Shackles are no more for Jesus Christ. 
I was talking with Stephanie earlier this week just about songs that we sing and just pointing out the differences and obviously you guys know we sing we do sing an array of songs here and the contrast here between the song we just sang and the song we're about to sing in my opinion would be not so much hymn versus chorus but more of like a poem more meteor words so to speak versus the simplicity of saying you're a good good father it's who you are and they're saying the same thing great is your faithfulness you're a good good father same same concept different words and i was struck this weekend at if gathering um who if you missed it we got to figure out a way for you to get it on the live stream guys it, it was it was so good but one of the things that stuck out to me was um, Francis Chan talking about just the simplicity of our words and how I'm, I'm, I'm looking here in Isaiah chapter 6 and and he's um, I, I meant to ask Brian how to say this word seraphs okay those are angels okay all right that should have been done beforehand but these seraphs that that Isaiah sees in his vision and they were calling out to one another holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is full of his glory. So they're saying this over and over and over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This simple phrase in all of God. And Isaiah says, woe to me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from you and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of God saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And church, I'm just so moved by this. I want to be a people who, for one, can just cry out the simplicity of God and be awestruck in his presence. Like we have the living God's presence here in this room. And that is something to be shook about. I don't, I don't want to be complacent to that anymore. This is a huge deal. I want to be moved and just be able to say holy, holy, holy is his name. And then for God to say, who's going? scared and I might be shaken but I'm going are you going can we go together can we go together church yes thank you yes Lord here we are send us as we declare your goodness in the simplicity of this song we love you Lord we know you're good to us and even if it's hard to declare it right now we're gonna say it anyway you're a good father to us.
Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, well, good morning. It's so good to see you today. And man, as I look around and I see faces that I have not seen in person in a long time, I'm just so so happy to be here. Um, before I get started this morning, let me see out there. Where are my Lego fans? So people that like Lego, and again, this is not just for kids. I know that there are plenty of you above the age of 18 that love yourself a good Lego set. And before you get too, too impressed with this one here that we build at our house, um, you might also remember if you've bought Legos anytime that they come with step-by-step extensive instructions, right? Of every piece, you're almost like looking at every piece from every angle. And um, by the time you get to the end, you're going to feel really good about yourself because it's like, well, you, you too can be a master builder, right? You can build whatever the instructions tell you. A couple weeks ago, Emerson, my son, was telling me that the word Lego actually comes from two, I think they're Danish words, and the words are leg and got which together means to play well. And I was like, well, that makes sense because who couldn't play well when you've got literally hundreds of pages of instructions that guarantee, along with the individually bagged sets of pieces, that the Lego box shows exactly what is going to come out at the end if I follow those instructions, right? So as long as I'm looking here step by step, I should be in good shape. Now, after the initial build in our house, um, they kind of go into this big tub. <laughs> so in all honesty, build number two is maybe a whole lot less fun um, because the pieces are no longer individually packaged. They are all mixed in together. And as I'm sitting here looking at this instruction and saying, okay, I need a, a one by two that's green and I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? Can it be pink? Because all I'm finding are pink ones here. And can I just please use any other piece for this? And I keep coming back to the instructions and going, no, it's got to be the green one. It's got to be a one by two, and it has to have the little lines on the side. Now, at this point, I don't just look at this and go, well, these instructions must be wrong because I can't find that piece in here. Your instructions are bad. I don't like them anymore. I'm going to rewrite them. I'm going to actually tear this page out. That one actually must have applied to people 20 years ago, and they must not even make that Lego anymore because I am digging and digging and digging, and I don't find it. That would be silly, right? We're all laughing because it would be silly for me to say that the Lego instructions are wrong 
just because I'm struggling to find that peace here. I'm struggling to follow them. That would, that would be silly, right? This month, our kids, um, our series is called Blueprints. So last time we talked about the reality that there are some challenges that we accept when we decide to follow Jesus. But we don't accept those challenges and just hope for the best. We accept those challenges because we trust that just like the Lego creators had a plan, they have an end in mind for us that God has really good plans for us. So we trust that we accept those challenges and we submit ourselves to his plans because they're good, because they lead us to life, because they lead us to where we want to go. Today, this is uh, one of the stories I feel like often gets brought up, is the story of, of Jesus when he goes into the temple and he finds that instead of the religious leaders carefully following God's plan, that they have put so many of these laws and these things as a burden on the people. They have misunderstood God's heart and his directions for his people, and they have turned the temple into a marketplace. It's no longer even a place people are coming to pray. It's a place where people are coming to make money, to take advantage of people in the church, in the temple. And Jesus kind of loses it and says, look, 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 this is not the plan. You guys had some instructions, and you're digging around, and you've pulled out all the wrong pieces. And so when I'm building a Lego set, I'm so thankful for the instructions. I think of these instructions, and I'm like, these are good instructions. These are right instructions. These instructions are trustworthy. I trust that the pieces that you tell me I need to build this are the pieces that I'm going to find in the set, and that they also are going to fit together. Now, last week, we listened to Alexa share a dissertation on Luke Skywalker. So I'm hoping this morning that you guys will indulge me with just a little bit of scripture, because when Jesus talked about, about the Word of God, the Bible, he talked about it as something to be treasured. He talked about it as good. He did not say that he came to erase all of that, but to fulfill it. He wanted to show us the plan more fully. So I'm going to read a little bit out of Psalm 19. And if you're familiar with this psalm, this is uh, one of those psalms where David is just delighting in the instructions of, of his father, of the Lord. I'm going to read it starting in verse 7. It says, the law, the instructions, the plan of God is perfect, refreshing the soul, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts, the instructions, the plan of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Sorry, guys, I can't stop here. I'm going to keep going. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So when we think about building a life, building a faith, building our homes, I want instructions. I want guidance. I don't want to dig around in this endless bin forever, hoping that someday some miraculous Lego creation is going to come out. Like That's just not going to happen. It happens by following instructions carefully. So the reality is we, we have instructions, right? God's given us the Bible, and his words are good. They are so good. When we talk about something that's sweeter than honey, can you imagine? Like there's, there's few things in the world that are sweeter than that. But sometimes it does feel like we're, we're looking at those instructions, and we are struggling to follow them. We are digging around, trying to figure out what to do next. But I would challenge you this this week, this month, as you think about those times when, okay, I'm trying to follow the instructions and I, I just don't seem to know. I can't seem to figure out which of these fits. Like that it's, it's worth it. The challenge of this is worth it. It's worth digging through the Legos. It's worth stepping on a few Legos. If you've <laughs> ever trying to find your path in the dark, you may have stepped on those. Like this challenge is worth it because when we trust and believe that God has good plans, we trust that he's with us in the challenges. And when we trust his heart, we can trust 
his plan for us. So I'm going to invite Pastor Paul to come and talk to us in the next week of our Fuse Breaker series. Seeing the bucket of Legos makes me very happy. My boys have grown up. We really enjoyed Legos at home. Um, not. Well, it's good to see you all here this morning. It's, um, it's a beautiful day. It's 2021, and about eight, seven and a half years ago, um, I did Kilimanjaro. I climbed Kilimanjaro. And I have a picture. Two really important guys in, in this climb were Epaw and Joel. Now, Epaw was not his real name. He had like 15 other letters after his name. But he just had us call him Epaw because he knew we weren't any capable of anything more than that. And this picture is not a scene from Weekend at Bernie's, okay? That is me after climbing a 19,000-foot mountain. And if you don't know what Weekend at Bernie's is, ask somebody over 50, and they'll explain the ridiculous concept of that movie. And so uh, these guys were instrumental. There, there, there's no way we could have made, I could have made it to the top without Epaul and Joel. Uh, it, it would have been impossible. They, they, were, they, they were invaluable. They, they, they were the ones that made it possible. But there were five other guys, I'm going to go ahead and show the next picture, five other guys that were just as important as E. Paul and Joel. And these were our porters. We, we had five porters. And, and the guy uh, all the way over on the right side of the photos, Brian, he climbed with me. Brian didn't make it. About halfway up the, the last day of the, the peak, he didn't. I blamed it on a phone call uh, we called our wives the night before, and his wife said, oh, dear, please be careful. Please be safe. You know, I just want you to come home. My wife said, if you don't make it to the top, don't come back, okay? We paid too much money for you to waste our time. And so I made it to the top, and, and Brian didn't. But these guys with us, these were the porters. And there was a cook, and there was a dishwasher, and Sherpas, and, and seven to support, too. And, and they would carry our food. They carried our equipment. Uh, they carried a portion of our personal belongings. We, we carried some of our personal belongings, but, but they carried a, a portion of our personal belongings. And the truth is, there's no way I would have made it to the top of the mountain but for Epaul and Joel and these five porters. Fuse breaker, letting go embraces that concept. God's not letting, asking us to let go of things just to let go of things. He's inviting us to let go so we can complete the journey. These things that are holding us down, that are keeping us from finishing our walk of faith. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And so Jesus gives us this model of letting go, even letting go of his life so that he can complete the journey. Lent is an invitation. It's an invitation to lay aside, to, to make sure that our circuits are not overloaded, to let go of the things that are holding us back so we can grab hold of better things and finish this journey. And we've been working through the Lord's Prayer as our guide. And, and I've been using the New American Standard Version. This week, we're going to use the New King James Version just to read through this. It's a, it's a little more familiar to some of you who've been around the church for a while. And so maybe it'll flow a little easier. Maybe next week we'll do a different version. But, but let's read this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can, can we repeat? I, I just love 
that little phrase. It's, it's probably not in the original text, but it's the early church's response to this prayer. And I just love that little phrase. Can we say that once again? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So last week, we've been looking at this prayer, not word by word, but in just an overview of the prayer. And, and some of the things in the prayer that that's, it's asking us to release... And last week we said, uh, we talked about how the Lord's Prayer invites us to let go of needless complexity and grab hold of simplicity. And, and in doing this, these things that weigh us down, these things that take the margins out of our life, these things that impair our relationship with God, our relationship with others. But not that, the Lord's Prayer invites us to let go of fractured relationships and move towards relational wholeness. You, you find it throughout the prayer. But there's one key verse in this prayer that talks about fractured relationships. Jesus invites us to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, now this isn't about financial debt. This isn't Dave Ramsey 101, okay? It's not a prayer that, that God would pay off all of our credit cards, although all of us would like a prayer like that, right? It's not a prayer that, that God would pay off our mortgage. I knew a person one time that was talking about how God had given them a house, but they had a huge mortgage on the house. And I always wanted to say, if God was giving you a house, you wouldn't have the mortgage, right? God gives free. It's not about paying off debt. It'd be pretty cool if it was, and if we had a prayer where everybody get their debts paid off, if they just prayed the right prayer, our sanctuary would be full. Amen? It's not about me not making anyone pay back what they owe to me. You know, there's, there's biblical restrictions on loan practices. You know, there, 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 there's a way that, that we give loans, and there's fair ways of giving loans. And, and, and there's governmental, there's, there's laws about fair loans. It's not about that important concept. The New Living Translation paraphrases it correctly. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is about relational sins. And it's not just about perceived slights. You know, it's not about people that pull in front of you that didn't see you on the highway and you feel slighted and offended. Nobody in here is like that, right? It's not about perceived slights. It's about real hurts. You know, Jesus is not talking about easy things, but hard things. You know, I've been called mean things in my past. I had a youth pastor's wife one time that said this. She said, you're cute like Mo in the Three Stooges. I forgave her. You know, it's not about the, it's about real mean things that people have said about you. I've had lies told about me. I've had people that just plain old lied about something that I didn't do. I've been misused. And I'm not unique. Everybody in this room has been accused of something they didn't do. You've been called something you didn't deserve. You've been misused or abused. Think about the real hurts in your life. Jesus is talking about those. He's saying you need to forgive those type of sins. This is not an easy command. It's a very difficult command. And this isn't past tense. Jesus says, Forgive those who sin against you. This, this is present tense. This isn't about people that have hurt you in the past, but are no longer hurting you, although that's part of it. 
but it's about those people that continue to sin against you. This isn't about accepting apologies. This is proactive forgiveness. This is a forgiveness that goes before those real hurts, those real harms, those real betrayals in your life. And everyone in this room has really been hurt by someone else. And maybe even in the present tense, even today, are really being hurt by someone else. It's about sins against God. Can, can we all acknowledge that everyone in this room has sinned against God? God is without sin. And all the people said, we're not. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I think probably if you've been around the church long enough, you've heard this message, right? This isn't nothing new. This isn't novel, this ideal of forgiveness. I think we've all heard messages on God's forgiveness, Maybe it's not registered. Maybe you haven't heard that, but God freely forgives if we confess. But most of us in this room would acknowledge that we've heard sermon after sermon about the forgiveness of God. Most in this room have heard multiple sermons about our need to forgive. And oftentimes, it's not about whether we've heard the message. It's about whether we're willing to execute the message. Not execute the messenger, right? Execute the message. Do what the Bible commands. Well, we definitely want God's forgiveness. Amen? We want God's forgiveness. I want to be forgiven by God. I want to be in right relationship with God. More than anything in my life, I want my relationship with God to be good. Sometimes... Now, now, maybe you don't struggle with this, but sometimes I struggle with forgiving others. Anybody with me? Oh, you guys just go leave me hanging again, aren't you? you know, I don't struggle with this ideal that I want forgiveness, but sometimes I struggle with forgiving others. Yet the prayer connects our willingness to forgive with God's ability to forgive us. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. You know, that little word as, it's used as an adverb in this sentence. And, and, and when you use as as an adverb, it means to the same degree or equally. And so let, let's think uh, of a phrase. I play basketball as Kevin Durant plays basketball. No. You know, he's like 7'8", 130 pounds, and can shoot. If you've ever seen these pro players, they're freaks. He can shoot from all over the floor. It doesn't even look natural. I forgive as God forgives. Folks, sometimes when we read these scriptures, I think we read them and we don't think about them. But that concept of forgiving like God forgives is a little bit overwhelming to me. What about you? It's like, be ye holy like your heavenly Father is holy. That's a little bit overwhelming. I think what he's saying here is he's saying you need to pray in the same, you need to forgive in the same manner as God. Not, not that we become like God completely, and we're, we're just as willing to forgive, but we, we forgive in the same manner. And here's a reality. God's forgiveness is available before we ask. Well, we can be, and, and I believe this is true, we can be proactive in our forgiveness. We can forgive before we're asked. The question is not whether God can forgive me. 
but will I accept God's forgiveness? See, the forgiveness of God is this unopened gift that, that, that comes to your life. And the question is whether you'll accept that gift. You can reject it. You can say, no, I don't want your forgiveness, God. But God's forgiveness is proactive. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we come to this place of confession, and it's not that we have to say the right words for God to forgive us, but we say the right words to receive what Jesus has already done. And likewise with others. This prayer invites us to be proactive in our forgiveness. Proactive forgiveness seems to be crucial in our ability to live out the prayer and to live in the midst of this whole relationship with God. As a matter of fact, immediately after the prayer, Jesus says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I wish that wasn't so plain. Yeah, I think Mark Twain said, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things in the Bible that I do understand that bothers me. This is plain. You don't need to develop the Greek. You don't need to, 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 to develop the sentence structure. It's just simply plain. No exceptions. Not wishy-washy. So the question is this, what if God forgave you in the same manner and measure that you forgive others? As you sit here today, and you know yourself, I don't know. What if the forgiveness you were receiving from your father was in the same measure you were forgiving those harms in your life right now? What is forgiveness? Now, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Okay, you understand that. It's, it takes two for reconciliation to occur. And so it's important to understand this, that sometimes people begin to think that forgiveness is, oh, all the relationship stuff's right. No, that's your releasing. It's not forgetting. Matter of fact, that just may be a bad memory, right? You know, some, some harms, you know, there's things in your life that you'll remember the rest of your life. It's not putting yourself in harm's way. Forgiveness is releasing the wrongs committed against me to God. It's saying, God, this isn't right. This is a hurt, but, but I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to give it to you. And so very, in a very real way, forgiveness demonstrates our trust in God. It's just saying, God, I trust you with this. I don't trust myself with this, but I trust you with this. Lent, the Lord's Prayer, is an invitation to release. To, to simply trust God with our relationship fractures. Now, when we talk about giving, oftentimes um, I'll use this phrase, Giving is not what God wants from me, it's what he wants for me. <laughs> and, I, and I believe that's true and dynamic. And so we're not ashamed to say we believe God wants you to give to a church because we believe God forms us in our giving. We believe God wants us to serve in the church because we believe God forms us in our serving. We believe God wants us to go because he forms us in our going. And so giving's not just something God wants from us, it's something God wants for us. In a very real way, forgiveness and confession are not what God wants from me. It's what God wants for me. Think about those past hurts, those relationship hurts, perhaps current hurts. Think about the physical toil, the, 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 the anger, the bitterness. Rudy Tom Janovich, I heard him say one time, he was a coach for the Houston Rockets, he was hit in the face by Kermit Washington 
in a basketball game, fractured his face. He ended up being hooked to, to pain medications, and it ruined his NBA career. But I heard him in an interview, interview one time, and he's not the only one that said this, but it stuck with me my entire life. He says, bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting to hurt someone else. <laughs> Some of these unresolved issues and relationships, the stress and the bitterness, they're not harming anyone but ourselves going over the conflict over and over in our mind, thinking about the things that we should have said but didn't say, reliving the event, waking up in the middle of the night, and this unforgiveness that we have within us pays a physical cost on our bodies and our minds. Unforgiveness never does us any favors. I give you a caveat. In this room, there's real serious hurts. There, there's people that, that have really been hurt deeply. And in no way am I somehow saying, making light of that, belittling your pain. In fact, the concept of forgiveness and the struggle to forgiveness puts a value on those hurts. That Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I want you just to ignore it and move on. Jesus says, I want you to forgive it. Jesus is giving a value and a name to those sins against you and saying they matter. But what matters more is your willingness to trust me with these things. But sometimes it takes time to work through these things. It takes others it's why we're better together. It's why God invites us to community. Sometimes it even takes professional counselors. But it's worth it. What about our sins against God? Now, now first and foremost, these sins destroy our relationship with God. That, that oftentimes, that the guilt and the pain causes a physical and mental toll as well. And confession brings peace, release. Forgiveness and confession are not about giving up my rights. Forgiveness and confession allow me to fully embrace my created identity at peace with God and with others last series, we talked about this idea that, that we are created for relationship with God and with others. And these ideals of the, these, these invitations of forgiveness and confession allows us to live towards that purpose. It moves us towards our created identity. We ask the praise team to come up today and we're going to close with a song and open up our altars. Uh, we believe in the altars here. You believe in the altar? Say amen, right? We believe in the altars. We believe it's important. You don't have to come to an altar to meet with God, but, but I, I know that oftentimes I've been helped in that obedient moment of just coming forward. So let me ask you, what's weighing you down today? What sin? What, what do you need to forgive? Can, can we go back to the porters that helped me and Brian in August of 2013? What, what if when they, they came to get my bag and get the stuff, if I said, oh, no, 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 I'm going to carry that. that, that, that that's mine. I, you know, I, I don't trust you with that. And little by little, I began putting those things in my bag, and eventually I'm carrying all the food and carrying all the equipment. And you know what? I wouldn't have made it very far. And yet oftentimes... That's what we do with God. Say, so God, I'm going to hold on to this sin just a little while longer. God, I'm going to hold on to this relational, relationship break just a little bit longer. And it's keeping us, it's keeping us from completing the journey. We want to give you space today, this awesome invitation, space to pray. Space to confess. Space to ask God to, to allow you 
to forgive. Serious business. We're saying have it all. And the, the invitation is not simply in what we give to God, it's what God gives in return. When we give God our struggles, God gives back hope. When we give Him our sins, He gives back forgiveness. When we give Him our broken relationships, He gives back peace. What are you holding on to? And maybe the better question is this. Why are you holding on to it? You can have it all. life and breathe on this heart that is now yours and all the joy I found in surrendering my that there's times that we hold on to things we just can't let them go Lord right now I'm praying that your spirit will give us the courage to let go of these fractured relationships that keep us from wholeness with you and with others Lord this is a beautiful invitation not, not about things that we give up but the things that you offer kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the promise of our daily bread, the, the promise of leading us away from temptation, the promise of experiencing your glory, your kingdom, your power, the promise of forgiveness, the possibility that you give us to forgive others. All of these things are wrapped up in this kingdom prayer where we acknowledge you as Father, holy and separate 
but concerned about our daily needs. Lord, help us to release these things that are holding us back to allow you to carry the load that you want to carry so that we can finish this journey with peace, with you receiving all the glory. Now, Lord, I love you. I praise you and I give you thanks because I've sensed your presence in this room this morning. But Lord, I believe your presence is not limited to a room or a space or a time. But Lord, you want to inhabit our temples, our bodies in such a way as we go out of this place, people can see the way we live and you will receive the glory. Well, we can become temples that demonstrate your glory. So Lord, help us to allow your spirit to indwell us in this way. Now, Lord, the rest of this, this time is yours. Our day is yours. Our lives are yours. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.